Well, my senior year of high school, I was gearing up for my track season. I was a 1600 and 3200 meter runner, and I was pumped. I was hoping that I might be able to break the threshold of second team all conference, make first team all conference, maybe even make it to state. And so I'd been training through the winter, and as indoor season started, it started off pretty well, and then I got a cold, and I recovered from that, but it had some strange lingering effects that I had never experienced before. And so we were at this indoor track meet, gearing up for my mile, which in that indoor track was 11 laps. So uh, it's a little monotonous, but um, I got off from the start, started running, got up to my cruising speed, and then it just felt like I could not breathe. I, it felt like I was choking. I was not getting air into my lungs. And I was like, this hurts. Like, I, it's not working. And I could not keep going. And so I, and I hadn't ever done this before, but I, I just ran right off the side into the middle of the track and just was like, I've got to let this one go. So I, I was like, wow, that's weird. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and it it just lingered for a few weeks. I just couldn't get it going. Every time I tried to start running, I just I couldn't keep going. Eventually, I, it kind of went away little by little, and I kept trying and kept trying. Finally, by the end of the season, regionals, I was able to finish the race as well as I wanted to. I'd finished races before then, but it was the first time I felt good while I was running, but of course, when you start running at regionals, you don't make it to state. <laughs> but, um, so I didn't meet my goal, but at least I had kind of reclaimed my new goal. I was able to run like I expected myself to run. And so there were times in the season that I was like, is this all in vain? Like, is this going to pan out? Like, what is happening and what is this for? As we continue our reflection on the Lord's Prayer today, and we get to the second petition, your kingdom come. You know, as we, as God's people, think about God's kingdom coming, we get really hopeful and expectant. There are all these things that we want to come into place, and yet there are so many barriers, so many threats, so many things that feel overwhelming in this world, like Evil could stomp out the church at any moment, it feels like sometimes. And we start to wonder, what is this all for? How is it all going to work? And so we want to spend some time this morning as we think about this petition in our prayer. Lord, make your kingdom come. We're going to re reflect on this teaching from Jesus in Luke chapter 13. As he gives us some instruction to help us understand what the kingdom of God is and what we mean when we pray, Lord, make your kingdom come. So we want to turn our attention to Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 18. Luke 13, starting at verse 18. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? 
It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. So as we start to reflect on this, this short little phrase that's so powerful in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. Lord, make your kingdom come. First, we're reminded that our prayer does not cause God's kingdom to come. God grows his kingdom because that's what he does and that's what he promised to do. But when we pray, Lord, make your kingdom come, we pray that it, as it grows, his kingdom would grow in us, that we would be a part of it, that it would shape us, that we would be identified as his people. that we would take on his character qualities and his wisdom and that we would see where God's kingdom is growing and that we would be aware of it. So our prayer doesn't cause God's kingdom to come. God does that. But as we pray this prayer, Lord, make your kingdom come, we pray that it would come to us and be a part of our lives, that we would be a part of what God is doing. So as we take some time to reflect on what Jesus taught in this passage in Luke 13. First, he says, what shall we compare the kingdom of God to? And he gives us these two little illustrations. He says, well, it's kind of like a mustard seed, this tiny little spherical seed. And a guy takes the seed and plants it in his garden, and it grows to be a tree, like 20 feet tall, 20 feet wide. An interesting thing about mustard trees is that they grow to be about as wide as they are tall. Um, so Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this tiny little seed that gets planted and grows to a huge tree that birds come and find their home in. He says, what's another way I can explain it to you? Well, it's like yeast that this woman puts in 60 pounds of flour. And it works all the way through the dough, so it makes loaves upon loaves of bread. And what we learn from these, these little parable illustrations is that God's kingdom may seem invisible sometimes. It may be hard to notice or hard to be aware of. But it's always strong and effective. So as we look around at our culture and we see all these threats to the gospel and all these changes, you know, I remember a time when most of my friends, most of my neighbors went to church and they maybe didn't believe it, but they went. And so at least we kind of 
had this shared understanding and we knew all, kind of the same words and the same traditions and we could talk through things. And that's just a lot less true of us and our neighbors these days. A lot less people find their way into church and even know what we're talking about. They have assumptions about what we're talking about, but we're not talking the same language anymore. And so as we look out at all the challenges, as we consider terrorism and all these other things, we think, oh my gosh, like what is happening in the world? It seems to be falling apart. As somebody after the first service said, it's going to hell in a handbasket. Um, and it wasn't me, but it's a quote. Uh, Jesus says, sometimes the kingdom of God seems invisible. It's hard to notice where it is. It's hard to be confident it's growing as much as God seemed to say it would. But the truth is, like a mustard seed or like yeast, it still grows and it continues its process. God is growing his kingdom because he said he would. And it's his desire to rescue people that we know, rescue us and rescue people around the globe that we haven't met or even know how to imagine yet. And as he nurtures that growth, it will continue to grow and grow and grow strong, even if it seems invisible, even if the path toward it is mysterious and easy to overlook. Still, it grows to be this strong tree where we can find our homes in like the birds find their home in the tree. It's like yeast that continues to do its work through all the pounds of flour to make bread after bread, loaf after loaf. God's kingdom will not be stopped. You know, I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Statistics tell us that in my lifetime, more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus than in all the history of Islam combined from its start to the beginning of my life. So in the last 50 years, and I think even less than that, we've seen all these people who are, who are dedicated to the teachings of Islam come to faith in Jesus and find life in him. The Bible is being translated into more and more languages all the time and smaller groups of people. Sometimes... It's now we're working on, we used to be working on groups of people that were tens of thousands, and now we're talking about thousands and sometimes hundreds of speakers of that language so that we can translate the Bible into their language. They can hear it in the language that they speak and do business in. The Jesus Film Project continues to be used around the world. Uh, in the Jesus Film Jesus only, the guy who plays Jesus only speaks the words that Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. And so it, it uses God's word to proclaim the gospel. And sometimes these film crews go into far, hard-to-reach places where people have never seen an electric light bulb before. And so they put up their projector with the screen, and people are like, wait, why? Why is that head moving around separate from his body? Um, and so the film crew has to show it a couple days in a row so that people can get used to the technology. But as they hear Jesus speak in their language, people come to faith knowing that God is speaking to them and that all that Jesus did 
is for them. God is growing his kingdom, and we can't always see how it's playing out, but he continues to do exactly what he said he would do, that he would draw people to him and rescue us from our sins. And so when we pray, Lord, make your kingdom come, we pray that it would come to us, that we would be a part of it, that it would shape us, and we pray that we would be aware of it and celebrate where we see it happening. Jesus also talks about this narrow door. Someone comes up to him and says, Lord, will only a few people be saved? Kind of, what are the standards? What's, what's the scope of progress that we can expect? And Jesus' answer kind of reminds us all that that question should never really be asked hypothetically or theoretically. It should only be asked personally. And so as we go before Jesus, we ask, Lord, will I be saved? Will the kingdom of God reach me? Will it reach the people I know and love? And Jesus says, the door's open, but enter through the narrow door. Well, what does that mean? Well, we picture this big mansion. You know, the heaven is this big mansion. The kingdom of God is this big mansion. And we think we want to go through the front doors where all the pomp and circumstance is and the beautiful pillars are. We want to go with everything that we are and walk through the front door and say, this is where I belong. But Jesus reminds us, that God's kingdom is worth the sacrifice and the struggle to get there. That while the door is open, we enter through the door with repentance, humility, and gratitude. Jesus says, enter through the narrow door. Well, the narrow door is kind of the servant's door on the side of the building. There's no pomp and circumstance, and it's a narrow door, and it's short, and you've got to duck to get in there. You can't hold on to your pride and importance. You can't hold on to your treasures. You gotta, gotta let things go. You grab onto Jesus because that's all you have as you walk through the narrow door. All the other things that you've built up pride about, all the other things that you're, you're just so proud of yourself for, the things that you've achieved and the things that you've done, the good decisions you've made and the wisdom that you have, in order to get into the kingdom of God, you got to let those things go and hold on to Jesus. And as you walk through the narrow door, that's all that fits is you and Jesus. you got to trust him. There are struggles that we need to endure in this broken and hard world as we live out life as the family of God. But Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow door. It's worth it. Because all that God promises has been made for us. God intends for us to be a part of it. And he wants to bless us with his presence. And so we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. As we pray, we let go of our earthly plans, our human plans. We let go and we ask for help in this because it's not easy. We say, Lord, please
please help me see what I'm trying to grab a hold of that's not you, that's not your way, that's not what you want for me. Help me come through the narrow door. Help me trust you enough to let go of the other things that I can hold on to you. Because I know that your kingdom is where you rule and all is good and evil is powerless. And that's where I want to be. We pray this because God's kingdom isn't so much a place as it is a reality. We want to be in close proximity to God. Better than that, we don't want to just be near him. We want to be with him. We want to be in relationship with him. And the only way to do that is to repent, to turn from our human lives, our sinful ways, to turn toward Jesus and grab a hold of him through the narrow doors. He exposes our sin and cleans us out. But Jesus says, the door will only be open for a while. But while it's open, God's invitation is to come in. We can't make it through the grand front door because that's not where we belong. But we belong inside and there's a path for us through Jesus, by faith, through the narrow door. And as long as the door is open, we're welcome to come in. But in a day, on a day, when we don't know exactly when it's coming, but we know it's coming, God's going to close the door, and then there won't be time for that anymore. And so we pray, Lord, give us the faith that we need to trust you. Lord, make your kingdom come. Bring me into your kingdom and bring others with us. Then Jesus talks about the first and the last. So he, this person says, well, are only a few people going to be saved? And Jesus says, well, the important thing is the door is open now and the invitation is for you. You can come now, but you have to enter through the narrow gate. He says, and now he's talking to the crowds, but included in the crowds are religious teachers and experts of God's people. And Jesus says that it's going to be really hard as some of these people that expect that they're going to end up in God's kingdom see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers, and all the prophets there at the feast with God, but they're left outside in the cold. And then Jesus says, in fact, people from the north and south, east and west, people from outside, God's Jewish family are going to come in and find their place at the table with God in his kingdom. And you are going to be on the outside and you're going to say, Lord, let us in. And he's going to say, I don't know you or where you come from. And you're going to say, but we were groupies. We ate with you. We drank with you. We even heard you in the, teach in the streets. We've heard your voice. We're big fans. The owner of the house is still going to say, I don't know you or where you come from. All you evildoers, all of you who have not had your sins paid for by my son, away. The time is done. And then Jesus says, for surely some who are first will be last, and the last will be first. 
And so we're reminded that God's kingdom is mysterious. It's a spiritual kingdom. And even for us who are God's people, we don't always understand how the rules work. We get these expectations, and we, like the disciples, want to figure out who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Who's the best among us? Who should we be the biggest fans of and follow them into the the kingdom of God? What do we have to be proud of on our resume? Jesus says, it doesn't work the way you expect it. The people that we, in our human wisdom, even informed by God's word, we put them first in line. Jesus says, some of those are going to be in the back of the line. And the people that we've overlooked because we thought they were at the end, we thought they didn't matter so much, we thought they could never come to Jesus. They're going to be first in line. They're going to be at the table with the Lord. And so as we pray, Lord, make your kingdom come. We pray that it would come to us, that it would define us and shape us, that we would be aware of what God is doing and the kingdom he's building, that we would learn his principles and the way that he works and trust these spiritual realities And that we wouldn't try to box people out because they don't meet our standards, but we would continue to invite them in because while the door is open, there's room for them. All they really need to do is grab onto Jesus and let Jesus clean the rest away. And so, like the people that Jesus was teaching in the first century, we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to come into God's kingdom Because we think we're already there and we are so proud of ourselves. We want to enter through the narrow door. But we also don't want to guard the door and keep people away that Jesus died for and wants to save and rescue. So we pray, Lord, help us be shaped by your kingdom. Help us be shaped by your grace and your mercy and your truth so that any who might come in and believe, would come through that door with us. A few years ago, um, my first experience at the Global Leadership Summit, at the close of the summit, Andy Stanley gave this talk called Not in Vain. And he talked about some of the things that we mentioned today, just about how sometimes when we look around us, it feels like this might all be in vain. Like, how are we ever going to overcome the strength of evil and darkness that we see in the world. And he talked about how God called Peter, and he said, Peter, you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And he said, so Andy talked about how in the first century, all our human wisdom would suggest time and time again that this gospel troop was going to be stomped out. There was no way that they were going to fight through all the barriers that were in front of them. That they would stand up to the oppression of the Roman government and survive and then impact the whole world around them? What? But Andy helped remind us that God always does what he says he's going to do. 
and he said he would build his church. He's going to grow his kingdom, and that's what he's been doing ever since. Through all of human history, God's people have looked, in most seasons of human history at least, it's appeared that God's people were just a diminishing remnant that would eventually get stamped out. And yet, we're here, worshiping the God who saves. And more and more people than ever are hearing the gospel and coming to faith in Jesus because God is growing his kingdom. And so as we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, we don't pray, our prayers don't cause it to happen, but we pray, Lord, continue your great work and help us be a part of it. Make it true in my life. Shape me by who you are and make me be a light that more people might come and know you. During his talk, uh, Andy talked about this time that he, he took his kids on a tour of Israel and they got to go to Rome as well. And he was really excited to show them and he showed us this picture that I'm going to share with you from the Roman Colosseum. It's a picture of a view through the emperor's gate at the Roman Colosseum. And so when we think of this huge building that was just a symbol of terror for Christians, for God's people, where the emperors would enter in all their pomp and circumstance and lord it over the people. They would watch as there were military training sessions and they would watch as Christians were fed to the lions or the gladiators. But today, as you look through the emperor's gate at the Roman Colosseum, there's a cross that stands there. That even though this was once an icon of human accomplishment and terror for God's people, God's kingdom has grown in such a way that as people look back on history and think of Rome, they think of the home of the church rather than the home of the emperors. And while the building has broken down a bit over time, the emperors no longer walk through this gate and there's no pomp and circumstance for them. But still, the symbol of salvation from Jesus, by Jesus, by faith in him, stands at that gate as a reminder to all of us that our human kingdoms will fall. Our personal kingdoms will fall. They'll come to a close and to an end, but God's kingdom is growing and he will be faithful to see it to the end and he invites us all to come through the narrow door of Jesus and be there with him. And so we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. Pray that you do your work in us. Lord, you're holy and righteous and we're not like you. 
We don't deserve to be in your presence, and yet you invite us in. You've made a way for us. We pray that your kingdom would come. Lord, make it take root in us, in our hearts, in our minds, our lives. That we would be your people, and you would be our God. Lord, we pray that it would take root in us. And we pray that you would help us be aware of how strong and effective your kingdom is. That we would see it, even though it appears invisible to us sometimes, that we would have a sense for what you're doing, that you would grow our faith to trust you, that you are growing your kingdom even in the darkness. Lord, we pray that you would let your kingdom come. Make it come in us and through us that we would enter through the narrow door and that you would equip us as your light, as your ambassadors, as your people, as your kids to bring people with us here in our neighborhoods and across the world because you love people and you alone can rescue us. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come and shape our understanding that instead of trying to control what you do or define it by our own understanding, we pray that it would come in us and reshape our minds and our thinking and our understanding, that we would be transformed in our thinking by who you are and what you do, that we would understand things not from our point of view, but from yours. Lord, you will grow your kingdom because you said you would. We pray that we'd be a part of it. We look forward to all that we'll witness as you build your kingdom perfectly in love, in grace, in righteousness, in glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.